You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey, you guys. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Today, we're talking about questions from an Enneagram skeptic because I know and I have been hearing all year that there have been people who occasionally come up to probably you as a listener, me as a host, and ask about the Enneagram. Tell me more about it. Where is it from? And maybe you don't know that answer. Maybe you're like me and you're like, I'm moving on. I'm a thinking forward type and I'm just trying to use this awesome tool to help couples. Uh, But or yourself in your own marriage. Um, But today I'm taking time to address those questions. You guys have heard me say before that Wes has a theology background. My husband, he also has a passion for helping people who maybe don't understand about the Enneagram. So I wanted to give that question, that skeptics question, a voice today. And I wanted to just stop and sit with it. And Wes has some very good ways that if you're looking to understand more yourself about the Enneagram origins, or even just talk to somebody on a very brief level about what they might have questions about, or a quick example you could give from uh, the medical sciences or any kind of science or art that, that you might even be able to use on a very brief level with them from today's episode, man, that would be awesome. And it's perfectly timed with our book because if you're out there sharing about the Enneagram and marriage at all on any level, thank you, A, just thank you. First of all, I hope it's helpful to you and to anyone you share it with. But but next, you'll be able to give a little quick example of, oh, yeah, this is why I think that it's a safe tool to use if somebody ever does question that. So I hope that it helps those of us who share a faith to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength. You heard me say mind. <laughs> you know, I love that part of it. Um, but really, like sitting with this question is a gift for me too, because I really do tend to trust science. And it was helpful for me even to learn about the backdrop of what's up with this tool and to really allow myself to sit with uh, the origins as I learn from people that have done a lot of work on this, like Tyler Zach, and also of course, like Jesse Eubanks. So I'm thankful to those uh, gentlemen out there who have already kind of laid some foundation. And now today we bring Wes on who has this gift of theology science, type one, uh, just kind of really at that clarifying level. So I feel like we've got all of it now wrapped up for you in a fun episode where we get, if you like research like I do, it's a fun episode to really get to nerd out together a bit and to have some practical ways that we can address why the Enneagram itself is a good tool to use for personality. But let's caveat this with not the only tool. We don't beat up our spouses with it. So, okay, well, let's talk to Wes. I'm so grateful to have Wes today. You guys know Wes, my hubby. Hi, Wes. Hey, how's it going? So glad to have you. We're talking about questions from an Enneagram skeptic today, because I actually got one of those on this book launch right at the beginning from a friend. And I thought, you know what? This is a good time. She had some legitimate questions about the Enneagram. This is probably a long time in the the making. Like you can see that this 
topic isn't one that always fascinates me, but is very important. And that is how relevant and valid is the Enneagram? And especially for those who are concerned that there might be some stipulations about using the Enneagram. So today we're, I'm posing questions as though I'm an Enneagram skeptic and Wes is going to be answering them because Wes is very- I'm going to do my best. He's logical. He has a master's in theology from Wheaton College. He doesn't talk about this side of his life as much because he ended up going into medicine, but it's like where a lot of people end their career is with that master's in theology. Yeah. And I think that the Enneagram is a really interesting interface between science, Mm -hmm. psychology, and faith. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's going to be fun to think that through. Yes, it is. And it really is because a lot of times, even on Instagram, I'll get people to say to me, you know, why are you bringing God in? Which I don't all the time, but when I do remember to bring God in, uh, because the holy ideas are part of the Enneagram, I can remind them, actually, this is a system that is actually for people to become better versions of themselves by approaching their virtues and letting go of their vices slash passions slash sin. So it becomes a tool that has some spiritual implications. And, uh, you know, like I said, I often forget to talk about that because I'm so busy hacking through, but I really am happy you're here to shed some light on this, especially as we book launch, because mm-hmm. we know we'll get even more of that. Oh yeah! And everybody here who's been part of this community for any amount of time, you guys are maybe have heard these questions before yourself. So, so thank you, Wes. I'm so grateful. I'm glad to be here. Yes. It's going to be good. Yes. And let's start with the big question that people get about the shape of the Enneagram. I think that a lot of times people wonder about that and they might even ask, is this a pentagram? So, yeah, I mean, the Enneagram shape itself is to the uninitiated. If it's not something you're used to seeing, uh, it looks strange. I mean, it's it, it's got these uh, what seem to be random points. It's got a circle around it. Um, if all you've ever seen in terms of diagrams uh, of sharp pointy objects with a circle around them is a pentagram, you know, which is used in the occult and Satanism, then yeah, you at first glance, you might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa what is this? Mm-hmm. But slow down, you know, slow your roll and let's think this through. There's a lot of interesting uh, diagrams that you could make that look kind of like an Enneagram in a lot of other areas of life. If you're really looking for it, you know, I, I work in medicine. And what a lot of people don't know is that when you read an EKG, it's telling you a lot in this squiggly line. It might, might just look like a random squiggle, squiggle to you, but to somebody who's been studying that, um, and we have studied, uh, EKGs for many decades and we've analyzed it so that we can tell the flow of electricity goes in certain directions in the heart. And there's actually three axes and you can make those with a circle. And you can draw a diagram showing where that flow of electricity is going through the heart and represent it that way. And if you were to draw it out to somebody who's uninitiated, they'd be like, what is that? Especially if it wasn't labeled, you know, if it's just like a circle with lines and angles and stuff like what in the world? Mm -hmm. But to an electrophysiologist, to a cardiologist, oh, yeah. And look. That guy's got a left axis deviation, you know, (laughs) like he would know exactly what that means. And it would be a very useful tool. It's just one way of representing some other ideas that we all accept and, and know to be true. So, so I think this is, this is what we need to do is just slow down and say, okay, why is it drawn this way? Why does it have that shape? Well, there's good reason, 
you know, in the Enneagram, in this system of personality typing, there are nine personality types. And it seems to be accurate, you know, based on our experience, based on the experience of so many people who study the Enneagram, it seems like there's nine personality types. So how do they relate to each other? You can either draw them all on a line, like a number line straight across, and that would be helpful, you know, just to see them represented there. But but in terms of how it, they relate to each other. So, so if you look carefully, you'll see that each Enneagram number, each type has a tendency to act like one of the other types when they're in times of stress or, or when they're in times of health. They might act like one of the other numbers. And it's, and it's very a predictable thing. Like for me as a type one, when I'm really feeling stressed, I tend to go to a four space where I'm, I'm acting overly emotional, maybe throwing myself a little pity party or something. <laughs> the comment, I'm jealous, has been stated I'm, in numerous times. But, but, and that's not to say that's no, what, right. what fours are like all the time, but that's like kind of like a He's four stress, trait to be right. like overly emotional at times. So, and then in times of health, uh, ones go to seven, you know, and I'll be a lot more spontaneous, a lot more fun and so on. So if you were to put all of the numbers, the nine numbers in a circle and then draw an arrow from the one to the four into the seven, there would be like this little, like a triangular shape there. You do the same for all nine types and you get the shape of the Enneagram. That's where it comes from. Ennea means nine and gram means like shape or a drawing of something. So that's it. Nothing mystical about it. Mm. Nothing magical. It's just, this is just a practical way of, of laying out um, like in a diagram, like, or a map, if you will, how the Enneagram types relate to each other. Right. And it doesn't so. mean without the mystery the mystery of God. It doesn't mean it's without the mystery of God in that, that there is, God is still a mystery, but it, we have ways of knowing God. And, and so people may say, but I use it as, you know, a mystical aspect of my faith. Um, and we can't predict how other people will use the system, but we're just saying, this is how we use the system as very logically mm -hmm. and very scientifically in that way. It's not a science but there is science you can apply from it relationally. We can do a lot of qualitative research on right. the Enneagram to say, like you said, many ones act this way, if mm -hmm. not most. Right. And we have so much qualitative research. Now, Truity has done so much research, right. thousands upon thousands of couples and individuals right. to show us this is accurate. And so it's very helpful as a way to counter all of the middle marriage and early marriage right. strife that we see exactly. that lands people in a well of trouble. And we'll talk more about that on this interview, but thank you. Yeah. That was a creative way to share it about the EKG. I noticed yeah. you also helped me on my FAQ page. Now, if you want to visit our website, we'll put it in the show notes, but you also helped me to remind people that the five pointed star has a lot of different uh, views. Yeah, as well. exactly. Exactly. So yeah, a uh, five pointed star is used in a pentagram for satanic worship or, or in uh Wiccan religion and, but it doesn't have to be used that way. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. we use five pointed stars, you know, doodling in our notes to highlight something or, or we give gold star to kids, you know, when they're doing something well to reward them. And, and we have 50 gold or 50 uh, white stars decorating our American flag. I mean, these are all really wonderful uses of this, this geometric shape, you know, geometric shapes don't have moral value in and yeah. of themselves. Yeah. They're, they're neutral things. 
that God made that he allowed us to discover so that we can then, uh, with our free will as moral creatures, we can then use these neutral things for good or evil. You know, you can use the five pointed star yeah. to to give a kid a gold star or you can use it to to worship the devil. You know, what you do with that is up to you. Yes. Hopefully not the latter. Yes. Um, and, and when it comes to the Enneagram, you will find people in the world. I mean, there's a lot of people. Yeah. So you will find people if you look on the Internet who are who are off on the fringe and they're using it to try to justify weird things. Um, and, and you know what? You're just going to have to be like. I tell my kids, when you go online and you're getting information, you have to learn how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Mm. You know, yes. um, you have to be careful and think critically mm -hmm. about, you know, why is it that somebody is saying something? Mm -hmm. You know, it, is it really justified? Is this the right way that we should go about it? And so on. So, mm. so uh, yeah, the Enneagram in, in, our, in my mind and the way we use it is as an objective, neutral tool that we are going to then try to practically use so that just we, we can live better so mm. that we can be better husbands and wives. Yes. Better yes. parents. Yes. And that really speaks to the next question we get sometimes. And that one actually does have some depth to it. At, at first you might not realize, but it's the question about, you know, whether I should use this tool to, you know, put myself in a box or maybe that person who says, I don't want to be labeled. I hate that. Um, and yet we also understand, and of course, different faiths look at this differently, but for those of us who practice uh, a Judeo-Christian faith, and I practice a Christian faith, uh, we do have this responsibility, and, and this is just a good reminder to uh, steward what we're learning. And I recently got to listen to uh, the awesome Jesse Eubanks episode where somebody who didn't used to like the Enneagram was on talking about the fact that they do now. And one of the best reasons they gave was we're supposed to be held accountable to growth. And hmm. this is a really good tool for doing that. And it might make people uncomfortable, but yeah. that brought me to one of the best arguments that I thought that you had for it when you talked about uh, just 23andMe and all that, if you could talk to that for a minute. So the question specifically is, what if I don't want to be labeled right. and put inside of a box? Yes, you know, exactly. A lot of our uh, people that I've talked to about the beginning are just asking, you know, have you heard of this? Like, oh, yeah, I heard of it. I just, you know, I just don't want to be labeled. You know, I don't want to be put in a box. Mm -hmm. I think that is a totally legit thing to be uh, wary of in any labeling of any kind. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that there aren't things that, that that can be labeled and maybe should be labeled about us, you know, that can be very useful. I mean, you can't get away from having certain traits, you know, we have certain genetic traits. We have certain, certain expressive, like, like I have bluer eyes. She has browner eyes, you know, like just the way I'm made, you yeah. know, I have a genetic makeup and, and with newer tools like 23andMe or the ones you can order from ancestry.com or others, you can now see, you know, how far does that go into your, your ethnicity? You can even learn what kind of health conditions you might have a propensity for. If you let things run uh, its course and you don't take any intervention, you might be at risk of this or this. And so some people, they don't want to know. They're like, you know what? Ignorance is bliss in this way. I'd rather not know and just, just let whatever's going to happen, happen. Hmm. And you know what? That's your right. That's your prerogative. You can do that. But for a lot of people, they do want to know, you know, hmm. for the same reason that I encourage all of my patients to come in for an annual physical every year. 
mm-hmm. you know, to do a routine annual panel of blood work. Mm-hmm. Why? You don't always feel it when something's out of order. I mean, you could have elevated white blood cells, you feel fine, but there's some leukemia brewing there, or you have anemia and you need more iron, you know, or or you're prone to bleeding, your platelets are low. You know what I'm saying? I could give you so many examples mm-hmm. where, where you don't feel it, mm-hmm. but if you were to look for it and label it, mm-hmm. listen, you have a label right now, you have anemia and you need, you could, if you want, you could do something about it. And you know what, if you did, if you started taking iron, you're going to have more energy. Mm. You're going to feel so much better, mm-hmm. you know, and you're going to be able to live better because you, you labeled that and you addressed it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I imagine the same goes for you with all of your years of counseling, you know, people who've, maybe it's not about, about nature, but nurture, you know, the way you were brought up or the experiences you've had, you've, you've maybe been through some traumatic experiences. And so, so f- those things are influencing you. They're mm-hmm. affecting you, whether you like it or not, or realize it or not. And, and, and like an iceberg, you know, we get to see on the surface, this little piece of you, mm-hmm. but, but, but that piece is being moved. It's being influenced and swayed by an undercurrent of your, your genetics, your upbringing, your, your experiences that you've had in your lifetime. And so, you know, like, like Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. You know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say maybe not worth living, but mm-hmm. but it could be so much better yeah. if you took a minute to think about all the things that 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 make you tick, and uh, including your personality type. Mm-hmm. You know, if you figure this out, if you label your personality type using whether it's the Enneagram or one of the other personality typing systems. It just gives you some more structure, mm-hmm. you know, it gives you some guidance. I have some direction like, okay, I've been feeling my way through this like we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many arguments did we have over the 22 years we've been married that we that we were just trying to stumble our way through and figure out like so frustrating. You always do this yeah. and I always do this, you know, well, now I can see why <laughs> right. type ones always do this, you know, type sevens, they, they usually act like this, right? you know, and, and just having that understanding, our eyes were open. It's like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I have so much more sympathy for you now. Yeah. I have, yes, I have an easier time understanding where you're coming from and predicting in a helpful way so that I can, I can maybe encourage you in those things that you're mm-hmm. naturally good at. I can, I can help you to avoid those natural pitfalls that, that you'll, you'll tend to to be prone to and, mm-hmm. and vice versa, you yes, know, definitely vice versa. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? You always <laughs> do that. <laughs> no, but I mean like, yes, body types are good clarifiers. So even when I was like, tell us about 23 and me, you're like, well, here's the right question. It's like, that's what you're good at. Like that is how you do life. And I think that there's so many good things to each side too. Right. Um, and I tend to be positive outlook. So I'm like, oh, there's the good part of your personality. Well, this, this is a positive outlook. So here's you. here's a positive spin on labeling something like yeah. your personality. Now, yeah. now there's another another question in a question there. So you said, I don't want to be labeled and put in a box. Mm-hmm. So the put in a box part is, I think, separate from the labeling part. Mm. So we all have things that we could be labeled with. Like, like without doing 23 and me, I already know, like I got, 
25% or so Italian in me because my grandfather is 100% Italian, you know, mm -hmm. I have certain amount of this other ethnicity and this other one and so on. And, and you know, my, my dad's side of the family, they're from Kentucky. And so there's these Southern roots and certain cultural things that go along with that. And, and these are all things that someone could come along and say, well, I'm going to be prejudiced against you because you have this ethnicity or this culture, or you could celebrate those things as good things. You know, and the same goes for every other trait you've labeled. I mean, you could prejudice, discriminate against somebody for, for having eye color or or hair color or skin color or or being a certain body shape or height or all the things kids get made fun of for on a playground. You know, it's like, you know, that happens And the same could go for personality type, according to the Enneagram. Hmm. So it's a legitimate concern. We all need to be careful as as people mm -hmm. to not discriminate against people to not limit people to not put them in a box based on their personality type or anything else mm -hmm. but instead to see this as like a hand of cards that you've been dealt that you now have the free choice to choose and the power to choose how do you want to play this hand mm. now what are you going to do from here mm -hmm. right it's like a, like a skeleton that you now get to grow out from in whatever direction you want. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, it's not a box. It's more like a latticework or a skeleton, you know? Yes, it's true. And when people worry that the Enneagram is going to harm their spouses, I just want to say this from the marriage uh, counselor sort of perspective, don't force it upon them. They yeah, don't have right. to that's encompass right. that. We are more expansive than just yeah. our nuanced personality types. That's right. Even though Wes said, yes, it's helpful. You have to give people freedom. And yeah. oh my gosh, there's nothing more important to me than freedom as a seven. So please give them freedom. Show them how Good you're work. growing and doing your work yep. so that they can want that. If there's going to be any growth they, at all, they don't have to use the Enneagram for it. But if they're going it, to want to work on their vices in yeah. any capacity, you could just say, I know you don't like the Enneagram, but- mm. Mm -hmm. Do you have the vice of anger or do you have the vice of gluttony so that they can uh, really work on There's those tendency. things? Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but sometimes people even ask one more question and that is, uh, and this goes over a bit of what we shared, but I think it's worth repeating and even adding to, hmm. uh, do we feel that there's any occult or numerology in the Enneagram? So just mm. talk on that for a second. I know we okay. got to, yeah. to talk on yeah. it a little bit. Right. There's more that could be said though. That's a good point. So like I said earlier, there are some people out on the fringe, some, some strange people who are using the Enneagram to try to justify uh, or to fit inside of their worldview that might be, you know, part of the occult, astrology, numerology. I mean, um, so we don't do that. I don't think that it's justified to do that. Uh, I don't think that if you look deeply into the history of the Enneagram that you'll you'll find that it comes from astrology or numerology. There's a really good video that uh, Tyler Zach made yeah, on this, and you so can link good. to that in that's the description. Cool. But uh, he does a really thorough and great job of showing, you know, where there's no evidence for that. But but I, I would say, OK, I have a couple of reasons why this is not, you know, astrology or numerology. One, like we said before, numbers, shapes, they have no value in and of themselves, like as far as moral value, you know, mm -hmm. they're just neutral things, mm -hmm. you know, that you can then apply mm -hmm. uh, in moral ways. Mm -hmm. You know, you can use 
the understanding of mathematics to make technology that you can then use the technology to hurt people or to help people, mm-hmm. you know, and the Enneagram is kind of like that, you know, it's, 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 it's a useful tool that's neutral that you could then use to discriminate against people, mm-hmm. or you can use it to help people, you know, mm-hmm. like we just said. Yes. Um, but also in astrology, you have this influence from the stars. Like there's nothing about that in the Enneagram, mm-hmm. you know, we're claiming nothing like that. And not only that in astrology, because of this continual influence, you know, you have a, a horoscope, you have these these ways of predicting the future, you know, and saying someone has a destiny or a certain fate that's inescapable. And that's just not at all justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no scientific evidence for that. And, and there's no reason to say that the Enneagram is supporting anything like that. It, mm-hmm. now, now you are born with certain uh, or or maybe it developed in you certain raw materials mm-hmm. that that as a Christian I would say is the way you were specially created mm-hmm. by your loving God, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just like we all have uh, different gifts, you know, mm-hmm. that He gives us that can be used for good. Um, but that's something you then get to decide. What are you going to do with going forward? It's not like a destiny or a mm-hmm. fate. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, now how am I going to use this? I get to choose. Mm-hmm. And in astrology, you don't get to choose, you know? Right. So in numerology, you think numbers are some holy, you know, thing like that. There's nothing like that in in the uh in the Enneagram on its own. And um and honestly, I don't think the Bible supports that either. But if you were to try to apply that and say, oh, well, you know, certain numbers are are good or evil, I mean, look, in in... Look, I'm just going to say this seven is a good number in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> this is a number of completion. <laughs> yep. So just kidding though, but literally. It doesn't want to be one, right? Number one. <laughs> right. So I think that it really makes us all appreciate just the order, the structure of the yeah. Enneagram. I love how you also share that. Uh, when we are studying algebra, that we have origins with ancient Babylonian Muslims, that when we're studying, uh, you talked about Newton, you talk about, uh, you know, geometry. Tell us sure. a couple more examples okay. from those. I love those. You examples. got it. You got it. Right. So, so, but real quick, like that, you know, in numerology, like if you were to try to apply that to this, which I don't think does, you know, but, but the number, number five, which is the five pointed pentagram, you know, does that mean five is evil? You know, I mean, there's five love languages. How many people uh, out there like that book and think, you know, if you drew those in a shape of a star or something, you could do that. Well, we that talk wouldn't about be just the seven be right. lifestyles now. Okay. <laughs> Back number <to> seven. seven. <laughs> okay. Sorry. But but the Back number nine, focus, you yes. know, the number nine is not evil in and of itself. Yeah, right. I mean, if, if you're coming from a Christian perspective, there's. There's nine fruits of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that's mentioned in Galatians 5. So so like we don't think these numbers have any moral no, value. But even if you that. did, you know, nine is not an evil number. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> None of them are. <laughs> no, they're, they're all just they're neutral. Symbols. Right. Right. Yeah. So tell us about the other things. I love okay. those examples. And I feel like those are quick examples. If any of our uh, listeners or viewers on YouTube just feel like, what's one quick thing I could say? I feel like these things I briefly mentioned that you're going to yes, go over are the are things, just examples, quick right. examples. Uh-huh. Everybody uses this. So that was astrology, numerology. And so now we'll talk a little more about the occult. So, so is it true that the Enneagram came from the occult? 
And uh, again, Tyler Zach has a really good video about the details showing this is not the case. But but I just want to say just another side comment on this whole approach. You know, there's a lot of people out there, not a lot, but there are some people who are rejecting the Enneagram from the outset saying that because of its origin, if you did think it came from astrology or the occult, which I don't think that it, you can justify that, but even if you did, at the very beginning, it had some people who were in the occult or in astrology who were, who were putting it forth as a method. That means we should reject it. I want you to slow down. I mean, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You know, I mean, so many scientific and mathematical ideas that we all accept as truth and use every day today have strange roots or roots that 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 combine uh, other or that come from people who who came from other backgrounds than what we come from. Right, you know, layered. I can give you so many examples. I mean, just just to give you a couple real quick ones, but like. Um, you know, mathematics, you know, algebra, that is a Arabic word, you know, and, and most of the early uh, thinkers about algebra were Muslim. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that Christians and Jews should not use algebra? Or of course not. Any religion. Or of any, or any faith, you know, mm -hmm. no, you know, they were, they were discovering something that, that matches up with reality. Universal you know? truth. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, the, geometry the theorems of geometry i mean so many of those guys who discovered those axioms were were greek and and worshiped polytheism mm -hmm. you know does that mean monotheists shouldn't uh use geometry i mean that's that's ridiculous you know mm -hmm. you know again from the greeks like if you use the word thursday that's from thor's day uh, may and june the months are from maya and juno these are greek goddesses does that mean that you are worshiping these these gods of polytheism if you use a calendar? No. The calendar is extremely useful and practical and it matches up with with how the world really works. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, and the same could be said for a lot of science, you know. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but Isaac Newton uh while he was in some ways coming from a Christian perspective and wrote a lot about the Bible and prophecy, he also was was into the occult. You know, and um, but does that mean we should reject his laws of motion and gravity? You know, mm. of course not. Mm. You know, I mean, he he discovered so many great things. And so uh, Kepler, you know, Johannes Kepler, he he was an astronomer, a genius. Uh, he also came from a Christian background, but he couldn't afford to live on his teacher's salary. And so he practiced astrology and gave people horoscopes because he knew so much about the stars mm. to make money on the side. Mm. Does that mean we shouldn't use his uh, three laws of planetary motion that have landed us on the moon and are taking us to Mars? Mm. Of course mm. not. Yeah. You know, you have to, you have to learn again, to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Mm -hmm. You know, all truth is God's truth mm -hmm. and we don't need, to fear the that. truth. We have to be very careful not to commit a very important mistake in reasoning called the genetic fallacy in logic, which says, you know, you should judge an argument based on the content of the argument and not based on who is presenting it to you or where it comes from, mm. you know? Yeah. Because That's truth is point. truth, mm -hmm. regardless of who is, is presenting it to you. Mm -hmm. So you need to ask yourself, Am I thinking 
critically? Am I being careful not to commit the genetic fallacy, not to be prejudiced when I hear an argument by, you know, judging a book by its cover and not looking on the inside and what it contains? Does the Enneagram have anything to say to you? Mm. Is it, does it match up with reality when you look closely at your own personality and, and the way the Enneagram maps out the way the personality types relate to each other mm -hmm. for us, mm -hmm. it seems to match and fit yeah. the facts yeah. and, and it's a useful tool, mm -hmm. you know, and it seems to fit well within our Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. And, but you have to, you have to think through that yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. If it doesn't fit or parts of your personality that you read about don't fit, don't allow your inner script to beat you up because that can happen too, where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm reduced down to this and this is all I do. And this is my fear. Right. But instead just use it as hold it a bit lighter than that and say, okay, I'm learning. I'm trying to flow with my family. I'm trying to figure out what I keep getting stuck on and taking some deep breaths, trying out some different moves. This is what the Enneagram is all about when it's at its best is helping you to balance, uh, to be healthy, to use your gifts too. And we just love to help you to do that on this show and in the book. And so that's really our heart is that you would have that space of understanding all the good that you can learn, but not to force that on others and not to take yourself down or beat yourself up, but to remember mm -hmm. grace and love are part that's of it right. all. Marriage is long and hard. Yes. You do need a lot of deep breath, right. a lot of grace. And at the end of the day, you have to start. I think this helped us the most was not trying to change each other into like my personality type or yours ultimately, but just, yeah. okay, I'm going to love you for who you are. And now, like you said earlier, I have more compassion as to why, because when you do look at the Enneagram, if you've heard podcasts here before, you certainly know, we all have propensities as to not only, like you said, genetics or perhaps epigenetics as we're learning, but things that we just really are prone to that we want to, uh, you know, solve or account for. But at the end of the day, a lot of the time we just have to be able to say, I give you grace. This is, this is why you're probably this way, but I don't know why. Honestly, right. some of it, like we said, is nature yeah. and nurture. Right. So it's just a grace over each other, a general grace. Yeah. Why do I have the genetics that I have? Why, why do I, why have I had to go through the experiences I've had? I don't know, you know, yeah. but we have. Yeah. So, so let's take that mm -hmm. and in love, mm -hmm. try to work together to help each other to grow, yeah. to help each other to be the best you can be yes, you and know? glow and find your pairings gifts together. Yes. Because there are beautiful gifts that right. things you can do together that nobody else really does the same way That's because exactly of your right. individual narratives and nuances outside of Enneagram, but also inside of Enneagram to yes. have your own types flowing together. That's a beautiful uh, tool that we want you to be able to have. So where I could we learn more about that kind of thing? <laughs> Thank you. You can learn more <laughs> from the new book and you can still get your pre-orders on. So yes, please. The Enneagram, so the Enneagram in marriage, in marriage, your guide to thriving together in your unique pairing. It's available everywhere. So thank you. Thank please. you, Wes. Yes. This check is it out. It's super useful. So appreciate you coming it's on and sharing. It's yeah. really blessed us. It's really helped us to grow in our own marriage and to see how we shine even brighter together because of our, uni our unique gifts. Yeah. Okay, thank you guys so much. Bye.
Thank you guys so much for just taking in that episode and information with us. I'm so grateful. I hope that wherever you're at in your week, it's life-giving to you to remember to stop with me and allow others to find this great tool. Oh my goodness. I feel like that's something that I need to be less self-preserving with, like not just me and my people who find this podcast, but people who actually truly need help and want help and are seeking answers. And so I'm grateful for Wes. I'm grateful for you for sticking through this time to learn with us. And I hope as we end today's episode, you can think of one great way or tool that you can take with you from today. Even if it's something as simple as remembering that Newton had a lot of great practices and then things that weren't as good about him, but that we still use his laws today. So I hope that just shores you up. I hope that you enjoy the book as we're starting to be able to share share out with our launch team. I'm hearing some good feedback and I hope that you enjoy the stories too. I will share in another episode about uh, all the heart spaces with it, but thank you for being here in my heart space and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramandMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.